Well, good morning. So glad to see uh, uh, have you with us. I wish I could see you. I can see a camera. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, we welcome you in to our live stream uh, this Easter morning. And I just want to say thank you for tuning in and being one of the first to, to watch us. We are now on YouTube, and I believe we're also up and working on Facebook. So if you've liked our church's Facebook page, at some point this morning, if you'd go over and share that, so that your other friends can see that as well. And we're just excited. You know, every Sunday that we gather, we gather to celebrate the resurrected Savior. Amen. It's not just uh, one Sunday a year, it's every Sunday. Did I say Saturday or Sunday? You said Sunday. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that got me double thinking there. All right. I'm joined here with Pastor Pedro Morales, our associate pastor. And Good morning. We're, uh, we're, we're going to have a little roundtable discussion. And instead of having a traditional life group hour, we're, we're just going to have a roundtable discussion. Now, I heard you saying earlier, I believe you have a title. I don't know if you knew that you had a title, but the roundtable about the resurrection. The roundtable. See, you came up with the title for me. <laughs> no, I heard you say it earlier. Oh, did I? <laughs> yeah. I alliterate my sleep. That was good, great. That so was good. That's good. It just pours out of me. But you, Amen. You, you're, you're an alliterator yourself. I love it. I love it. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so, um, we, um, we, uh, we want to read a, I want to read a passage of scripture to you this morning. I know that in my home, every uh, Christmas morning, mm-hmm. I'm sure you did this with your girls, yes, sir. we would read the Christmas story <clears throat> prior to opening the presents. Yes. Did you do that Absolutely. with your girls? And uh, it's a great thing to do on Christmas morning. I think it's a good thing to do on Easter morning as I well, agree. to read the, the account of Jesus raising from the dead. Matthew chapter 28, the Bible tells us, In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, and the raiment white, his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the woman, Fear not ye, for... I know that ye seek Jesus, who is, which was crucified. Verse 6, He is not here, for He is risen, as He said. Amen. Come see the place where the Lord lay. Amen. Here we are, some 2,000 years later. We're still celebrating the resurrection yes, of Jesus from the dead. It's a fantastic day. It, it really is. It's a fantastic day for us. And uh, I would say, Pastor, I would add to that, that, and you, I know, agree with this, that the gospel hinges on the resurrection. Without the resurrection, the gospel is not complete. Without the resurrection, there's no reason to have church. That's exactly right. Uh, there's no reason to believe in God. Absolutely. And so our, our salvation is, like you said, it's hinged on his raising from the dead. Amen. So that, Amen. that brings us to really uh, the topic of our discussion. But before we get into this, sure. I just want to take a moment and thank Miss Angela, my Amen. wife, for, she's going to kill me for doing this, uh, for coming up with the decor. I noticed that you always mention she's going to kill you for something, but you and do I'm it anyway. And I'm still alive. Yeah. You still do it anyway. Yeah, I'm an escape artist at home. Uh, I usually, you know, avoid her for a few hours and, and uh, let her calm down. That's it, that's it. No, she's not. Uh, she doesn't get too angry. She doesn't like when I talk about her. Sure. So if I stay on this too long, I really will get in trouble. I gotcha. But I did want to thank her for taking the time to to try to turn our platform into a little bit of a movie set Amen. or a, a, a TV set. And uh, she took some of my commentaries and put them out here. 
No, it looks great. It looks great. You, you look very, very intelligent Don't I? with all these books. And we talked about, Pastor and I talked about me asking him if he read all of these books. And I would say, Pastor, did you read all of these books? I've read some of them twice. See? We have a very, very academic pastor. Amen. He's very smart. Praise the Lord. In spite of what he says, you know, he's, <laughs> he, he says that he's not very smart, but he is, I believe. Needless to say. Uh, one thing I want to get out, Pastor, if you don't mind, um, I, uh, I have a coffee cup here sitting at the table. And uh, for those of you that know me, I do not drink coffee. All right. So uh, in here is water. <laughs> uh, Pastor does have coffee in his cup. I have water in mine uh, just so no one gets any ideas. I know Trina is uh, she wished that I drank coffee, but unfortunately I do not. So anyway, just want to get I that really out. I really question whether or not you're a Baptist. Yeah, I, I understand. You I don't understand. drink coffee. You know, Mormons <laughs> believe that coffee is a sin. You know, uh, there, there was a Lester Roloff priest against drinking coffee, and he was a Baptist. Not saying that that that's, makes it that's right. That's questionable but, as well. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm glad that you have not given in to the addiction of coffee drinking. Um, I am a regular coffee drinker, and I do have coffee in my cup, and I will be drinking it occasionally. In fact, Amen. I might have Brother Owens, who's here with us this morning, come and fill up my cup if I Amen. run out. So we'll, um, we'll, uh, we'll see how that goes. Amen. But no, we want to get into a discussion this morning about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As you mentioned a few minutes ago, our salvation is, hinges on the resurrection. If it is not true, then we can close up shop and go home. Yes. Sell the property and and just never have church again. If it is true, boy, the the pendulum swings all the way the other direction, and it calls for us to live extreme lives. Absolutely. And so, is the resurrection true? Yes. The apostle Paul put it this way in the book of First Corinthians. Uh, he said, "We are of all men most miserable if we have hope in this life only. Yeah. If there is no resurrection, if this is all there is, if there is no." afterlife is if there is no eternity which is all based on the resurrection of the lord jesus christ everything we're doing is in vain yeah. we're wasting our time is what the apostle paul inspired by the holy spirit said in first corinthians and so you're absolutely right everything we're doing is a waste of time it's vain uh it's all for just time filler space filler uh, if the resurrection is not true yeah yeah, so we need to uh, explore this. So there are some theories, and, and clearly, just for clarity up front, mm-hmm. you and I both obviously believe it's true. Absolutely. We've given our life to Amen. this. Amen, that's right. Uh, but for sake of argument, uh, what are, Pastor Morales, what are some of the arguments against, some of the cases people have made against the resurrection being true? Can you go over some of those? Sure, I have some of those here in my notes, and uh, some of these uh, I learned uh, as I studied various college courses and, and, of course, others I've learned on my own personal study. But nonetheless, there are some false theories out there that are conjured up uh, by folks to try to explain away the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, try to explain away uh, the empty tomb. Uh, one of them is called the vision theory, the vision theory. Uh, and this theory basically says that the disciples were so emotionally disturbed after the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ that they imagined that he resurrected from the dead. Uh, it, it was just a, a hope that they had in their hearts, a, an imagination in their minds that he actually rose from the grave. So that's one uh, theory, and of course they're theories because they're not true, uh, the vision theory. The next one that would be uh, an argument against the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ 
is called the telegram theory. The telegram theory. Uh, and this theory basically states that the Lord Jesus ascended to heaven uh, in his spirit uh, rather than in his body, as the Bible teaches, and that he telegraphed, this is, this is interesting, you'll probably laugh at home, that he telegraphed pictures of himself to the minds of the disciples in such a way that they thought that he was actually in their midst. Now, that to me is really laughable. Uh, it's, it's rare, it's odd, it's strange sounding. It's, but it's sci-fi sounding. Basically, yes, yeah. it is. But some people adhere to this because they refuse to believe in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I would push back on that and say if Jesus is powerful enough to telegraph images of himself from heaven back down to earth, then he has to be powerful enough just to raise from the dead and Absolutely. stand in their presence. Absolutely. And again, we're looking at these theories, right? Yeah. And so we're just trying to see how people out there think. Right, right. All right? right. Uh, that one's probably not as popular, but nonetheless, the vision theory, the telegram theory. Uh, the third theory that I have written here in my notes is the swoon theory. Swoon, S-W-O-O-N. Uh, and this theory states that the Lord Jesus was not actually dead uh, when he was taken from the cross and that he, he was revived to consciousness after he was placed in the tomb. In other words, he swooned, uh, he passed out, uh, he, he became unconscious, but he wasn't literally dead. That's what the swoon theory teaches. This one's a very popular theory among atheists in particular. Uh, he didn't actually die. Uh, he didn't really, his body did not actually uh, uh, lose life. Uh, he just passed out. That's the swoon theory. Uh, that's a popular one. The next one is the disorientation theory. Uh, the disorientation theory teaches that the women, they went to the wrong tomb. Uh, when they went looking for the Lord, they went to the wrong tomb. Now, we know the Bible teaches that the Lord Jesus Christ was buried, was laid in a borrowed tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. Uh, Joseph of Arimathea, as we know, history tells us, he was uh, part of the, uh, the, the, the leaders in the Jewish nation. Uh, he was also not a, a poor man. And so whatever tomb he had, uh, Arimathea is said to be a small town. And if he was a wealthy man in this town, you would know which tombs were for rich folk and which tombs were not. And more than likely, uh, I've read that folks that were crucified by Roman crucifixion, most of them were either left on the cross uh, to just uh, basically be eaten by scavenger birds, birds yeah. uh, or they were thrown in some, uh, some basically uh, a communal grave. You know, it was just a bunch of bodies. And so uh, the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea uh, would be easily detectable. They would be able to know which one was his. So the disorientation theory that the women went to the wrong tomb, uh, hard to believe that. Uh, and then the last one that I have here is the stealing away theory. Uh, this is uh, the stealing away theory. Now, this could go two ways. One, Joseph himself of Arimathea, uh, he uh, stole the body or the disciples stole the body or a combination uh, that they stole the body of the Lord Jesus Christ by night. And again, uh, this, this tomb, the Bible teaches us, was guarded by Roman guards. And uh, I don't think it would have been that simple. Uh, for them to just go in there and steal the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, not only that, uh, it was sealed with Caesar's seal. Uh, it was sealed with a, a stone uh, that would have been very difficult to move. Needless to say, uh, if you have guards there, if there's a stone, if there's a seal, that would have been very difficult for them to accomplish that 
that stealing away theory. Uh, those are some of the major theories that are out there, Pastor, about people who do not believe in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and you can be guaranteed that Satan, who hates God mm-hmm. and was behind the forces that put him on the cross, uh, when he lost that, that day, Jesus rose from the dead, he was going to do everything he could to deceive people of course, and keep them from believing uh, in, in what he has to offer. We know he's a, a murderer and a thief That's right. and a liar. So That's right. that shouldn't at all uh, surprise us that, that he would do that. Uh, the problem with many of these theories is that um, uh, uh, Pilate himself knew Jesus died yes. because he ordered for there to be bribes given. Chief priests offered for, ordered for bribes to be given That's right. to say that his body had been stolen. Well, it's, it's funny you mention that, Pastor, because one of the main points I've studied this out uh, listen to different Christian apologists, and one of the main points, technically the first main point that most of them make, is the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ actually did die. Yeah, he did actually expire. He, his body was dead when he was. There. As a matter of fact, most believe that he was dead before uh, the the spear was thrust into his side. Even before that happened, he was already he had already died, uh, and so we know that. Uh, most, of course, the Bible teaches that he, that he was dead. Uh, and are, there's early Christian writers uh, that say that he was dead. Folks like Ignatius, uh, folks like Clement of Rome, uh, they all have written that the Lord Jesus Christ actually died on the cross. And these are not Christian historians, per se. So Ignatius and Clement of Rome, they would be considered Christian, but there are some non-Christian uh, historians. Uh, you talk about Flavius uh, uh, Josephus. Yeah. who was a Jew, uh, who was not a Christian, who was not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. He himself, in his writings, uh, he attested to the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ did actually die on the cross. Uh, Lucian of Samosata, rather. Uh, you have Cornelius Tacitus. Uh, we have all these different, even the Jewish Sanhedrin themselves, they corroborate the story, the early Christian eyewitnesses, that the Lord Jesus Christ actually did die on the cross. And so we have, uh, it's mentioned in the scriptures, we have early Christian writers that are not in the scriptures, that are not uh, biblical writers, and then non-Christian historians also attest to the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ did actually die on the cross. So that, that's so important to understand is that the, the swoon theory that says that he almost died and then just sort of resuscitated himself or came back around uh, kind of kind of came back uh, to consciousness mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. out of a coma maybe after three days. Sure. Uh, that falls apart, especially when you study the the accounts of how he was crucified, how mm-hmm. he was beaten, mm-hmm. how they ran that spear, and blood and water came pouring out, meaning his heart had actually, his his physical heart had actually bursted inside yeah. of his body. If, if uh, you're familiar with Lee Strobel. Pastor, I am. Uh, he uh, he wrote a, a a book called The Case for Christ. Mm-hmm. He used to be an atheist, and uh, <clears throat> he said this. His words were, "There is no record anywhere of anyone who ever survived a complete Roman crucifixion. You you don't survive that. It's just it is meant to kill. It is meant to not only kill, but it's meant to torture, torture, and and inflict as much pain." and physical uh, torture as possible. Uh, they, the Romans, had perfected the art 
of the crucifixion. For any, it's impossible for anyone, any human being, to survive a crucifixion. It's just It's impossible. It just can't happen. Right. So of that list that you read earlier, those theories that mm-hmm. you read, uh, you said that the, the atheists tend toward the swoon theory. Yes. Right? Because of those, that would be the one that maybe would have the best chance. Sure. Uh, of 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 the others that mm-hmm. are there. There are others too, you know, like for instance, they'll say things like, well, the disciples just, you know, they conjured up this lie. Yeah. You know, they're lying. In a few in a few minutes we'll get to yeah. sure. the arguments against that or sure. rather the case sure. the case sure. for Christ as sure. Mr. Strobel put it. Absolutely. Uh, but um uh I just wanted to to add to that mm-hmm. you stumbled across a gentleman who yes. was a cold case detective. Yes. Yes. And he goes about solving uh, homicides, yes. right, that are of a cold case nature. Yes. And he was an atheist. That's correct. And he took on the coldest of cases. <laughs> yes. Which is the resurrection of Christ. Tell us about what he, uh, what what he came away with. All right. So I want to share with you this particular testimony from a fellow by the name of J. Warner Wallace. His first name J stands for Jim. Jim Warner Wallace. Uh, he's the author of Cold Case Christianity and also Forensic Faith. Uh, he was a committed atheist for 35 years, and he was also a cold case homicide detective. Now, Detective Wallace decided to examine, as Pastor mentioned, uh, the evidence for Christianity by applying the techniques that he used to solve his cold cases, and he set out to solve the most important cold case in the history of mankind, uh, the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And through his investigation of the New Testament, specifically the eyewitness accounts found in the Gospels, uh, Jim was convinced by the evidence and he became a Christian. Now, Pastor, I'm going to go ahead and share this with our, our uh, listeners at home, if that's okay with you. Yes, sir. Um, and so he said, and I'm going to quote uh, Detective Wallace here, uh, pretty much verbatim. And so pay attention to his testimony. I think it'll be a blessing and a help to you. Uh, he said this, and I quote, every time, every crime scene, rather, uh, we typically look at the evidence in the room, and then we look at a list of explanations for that evidence. And we use a process called abductive reasoning to determine which explanation is the most reasonable in light of the evidence that's in the room. Uh, He went on to say, uh, when I was an atheist, I didn't think much of the story about the resurrection. I didn't think much of it was true. He says, but I would have given you a few key points. He says, uh, uh, I would have said, yes, Jesus really did live, and he did die on a cross, but so what? Uh, that doesn't mean that the resurrection is true. Uh, he says, I would have said that the tomb was empty, but again, so what? That doesn't mean that he actually rose from the dead. Uh, he said in his testimony, he said, I can explain an empty tomb in a number of ways. Uh, he said also, uh, I would give you that it appears that there were witnesses that saw the risen Christ and that they actually seemed to believe it. And he goes on to say, so what about that as well? Uh, people see or think they see and believe all kinds of crazy things. Uh, and then lastly, he says, I would have also given you that it appears that they were transformed by seeing the risen Christ. And so they were willing to die for what they believe. We're going to talk about that a little bit in more detail later. But again, in this testimony, Detective Wallace says, so what? There's people that die for things that aren't true all of the time. And so he went on to say, as an atheist, I would have given you uh, those four things. Those four things, I say, okay, I'll give you those, but I still don't believe in the resurrection. Uh, He says it doesn't make the Christian story true because I can give you a list of explanations 
uh, about those four pieces of evidence. There are explanations that an atheist would typically, typically offer. Uh, he says, I would have offered five or six of them. Uh, number one, he says, I, I don't think that he really died on the cross, the soon theory that we just talked about. Uh, he says, uh, number two, uh, maybe the disciples were lying. They weren't telling the truth. Maybe it's all a made-up hoax. Uh, he says, maybe they hallucinated. Uh, maybe they just thought uh, that he rose from the grave. I think that's one of the theories that we talked about a moment ago. Uh, he says, another uh, argument or another explanation I would have given as an atheist is uh, maybe an imposter stood in his place. That's interesting. Maybe an imposter stood in the place of the Lord Jesus. Uh, another explanation he would have given as an atheist is maybe the story was distorted over time. Uh, over time, uh, I was listening to Lee Strobel we'll talk about this a little bit, and he said when he was an atheist that he believed that the story of the resurrection was a legend, and most of them do, if not all of them, that are atheists that don't believe. They believe it's a legend that grew over time. Uh, over centuries, this thing just evolved into this uh, tremendous uh, bombastic type story. And when he studied the evidence, he says, no, there were people that were talking about this, writing about this just months after the Lord Jesus died. Uh, this is, and, and they were all corroborating each other's stories. This is not a, a, an event or a story that's a legend that grew over time. Uh, it's been uh, packed from the beginning, uh, the, the entire story. Uh, he goes on to say, Detective Wallace, then one of the explanations that I would give you as an atheist for the resurrection would have to be your Christian explanation as well. Uh, it actually happened like the Bible records it. Uh, that's only one, that the, the, the Bible account is only one of six possible explanations uh, for the evidence that we see. And so he goes on to say in his testimony, abductive reasoning says that I go back to the evidence and I cross out the explanations that are not reasonable. And as you do that, you're going to cross out every single explanation except for the Bible explanation, because these explanations do not work. You think about someone being an imposter, uh, having swapped bodies and, and putting someone else on the cross or someone else in the tomb. That, that just doesn't work. Uh, the fact that he, he passed out and he became unconscious, it's impossible. Uh, no one could survive a Roman crucifixion if it went from beginning all the way through to the end. It's impossible. And so those things don't work. Uh, Detective Wallace went on to say, at that point, I would have said to you, but wait a minute, your Christian explanation also doesn't work because it would require me to believe in a supernatural act called the resurrection. And so he went on to say that the problem that he had was he didn't believe in anything supernatural. And so he couldn't accept that being an, a reasonable explanation. And however, he, he thought about that and he thought to himself, he says, what is this whole investigation all about? Is The investigation is, did the resurrection actually happen? Well, that's a supernatural event. He thought to himself, he says, well, I can't come into studying a supernatural event with a presupposition that supernatural things can occur because then the whole investigation is a waste of time, yeah. right? And so um, he said, if that's what we're investigating, then I cannot begin by rejecting supernatural events. He said this, and this is his words, uh, then I realized that the thing that was keeping me from embracing the Christian response was not an evidence issue. It wasn't that there wasn't enough evidence. The problem with Detective Wallace when he was an atheist was, he says, it's a presupposition issue. I came into it with the 
predetermined a decision that I'm not going to believe it, basically is what he's saying. Yeah. And a lot of people do that. Yeah. They come into it with, I, I cannot believe in the supernatural. Their own I, personal bias is baked into the cake. Exactly. Yeah. It's all a bias thing, right? Uh, he went on to say, I realized that the only thing standing between me and the Christian explanation was basically me. Uh, my bias, my presupposition, uh, my, my theories of what I thought were true and right that I brought into the investigation. Uh, he, went on, he went on to say in his testimony, he says, test them for yourself. Imagine every way that you could explain those four pieces of evidence and you will see that none of them work except the Christian view. Uh, if you're willing to lay down your bias against the supernatural. He says, as I did that, I realized that by far the Christian explanation was the most reasonable explanation of the resurrection. And this is from a man who was an atheist for 35 years. This is from a man, from his own testimony, uh, he could not believe in supernatural events. But if you just look at the facts, if you just look at the evidence just look at what is uh, beyond reasonable doubt is true. If you just look at that, you can't help but come to the conclusion that the Lord Jesus Christ did die and he did rise from the That's grave. Right. That's Amen. Right. That's right. That's excellent. Amen. You know, there's a, um, there, there are a number of uh, points to be made for the resurrection. So we've taken quite a bit of time this sure. morning and we've talked about those who argue against it. Well, what about the mountain of evidence that supports it? Now, to be clear, we don't have DNA forensic evidence. Of course. They didn't do that back then. Sure. Um, and the eyewitness accounts were 2,000 years ago, mm -hmm. so we can't go interview them, mm -hmm. right, and, mm -hmm. and give them a polygraph test. <laughs> so we're left to look at what some would deem as circumstantial evidence uh, because none of us saw him in his risen state. Sure. Right. But nonetheless, I think it's, it's worth taking the time this morning to look at the quote-unquote circumstantial evidence Absolutely. and greatly consider it. So, some of the proofs of the resurrection. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I have several written down here, and I know you do as well, Pastor. Uh, I want to look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. If you guys at home have your Bibles, if you'll turn there, uh, we'll look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and let's just see what the Bible says about it, okay? Um, the Apostle Paul basically saying to the, the, the believers at Corinth, the church at Corinth here, he says, listen, you don't have to take my word for it. You don't have to believe me uh, because there are many, many, many other people who agree that the Lord Jesus Christ rose from the dead. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, let's begin reading there uh, in verse number, you know what, let's just begin in verse 1 because I believe this is the definition of the gospel itself. And we'll read down to verse 9. The Bible says, moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. The gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He's, des he's describing now, explaining the gospel. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, verse 4, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. So that's the gospel in a nutshell. Right, Pastor? Sure. And that's what the Apostle Paul is telling us, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, all according to prophecy in the Old Testament. Verse number 5. And that he was seen of Cephas. Now we know, those of us that know the Bible, that that's a reference to Peter. 
Uh, that, so he was seen of Peter, then of the twelve. And again, uh, mind you, Judas had already betrayed the Lord. Judas had already been gone off the scene at this point. Uh, and so he had not been replaced as of yet, but they were still referred to as the twelve. Mm-hmm. Now, that was just a, a name that they referred to his, his twelve disciples as the twelve, uh, even though there may have only been eleven at this time. Needless to say, uh, verse number five and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve, verse 6. After that, he was seen of above, look at this here, 500 brethren at once. 500 brethren. So he was seen of the twelve apostles, uh, of Peter and, and the others. He was seen of above 500 people. That's saying, that's saying more than 500. At least 500 people saw him, uh, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. He's saying some of these 500 people are still alive today. Uh, you can go, if you can find them, you can go ask them for yourself. That's what Paul is saying to the church at Corinth. Some have passed off the scene. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, the majority of them are still around. Verse number, let's see here, let's see at verse number 7. After that, he was seen of James, uh, then of all the apostles, and last of all, he was seen of me also as of one born out of due time. Now, he's referring to, obviously, his Damascus road, road to Damascus experience. Road experience. Yeah. He experienced the presence of the risen Christ. Uh, he saw him. He spoke with him. Now, the others that were there with him, uh, the Bible says they, they didn't see, but they heard the voice. But the, but the Apostle Paul saw the Lord Jesus Christ after his resurrection. <clears throat> Excuse me. Verse number 9. For I am the least of the apostles, that I am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. So notice here the plethora of eyewitnesses. Yeah. I mean, th- in order for this to be a hoax, in order for this to be a, a, a conspiracy... If, if, if they just made this up, you know how difficult it would be to get 500 plus people to, how, to buy into that lie. Not only just buy into it, but all say the same thing. And have the same testimony <laughs> and never get their stories crossed. Mixed up, exactly. Yeah. I, I remember, you know, as a child, I remember as a small kid, uh, if me or one of my sisters did something wrong or bad, I remember uh, one day, uh, this is, this is going to say a lot about me, um, <laughs> I was playing with a baseball outside. And I happened to, I don't know, I made a mistake and I hit the window and I broke the window. And my mother, I knew... You were that kid. Unfortunately. Yeah. It didn't happen very often. Okay. Just just that one time. Uh, Needless to... Well, I can't say it was just that one time. Anyway, (laughs) let's let's move on. Honesty does the heart good. (laughs) (laughs) It also makes me feel uncomfortable. (laughs) Needless to say, uh, my sister, my oldest sister, I remember this to this day, she took the blame for... Uh, you know, me breaking the window. I forget, you know, the explanation that she gave. But I know just between us two and maybe my other two sisters, if it was just between us four and my mother would come home and ask, you know, what happened, even if we got together and say, okay, this is what we're going to say, eventually someone's going to mess up. The case is going to fall apart. It's going to fall apart eventually. Now, I know we were children, so it's, yeah. it's easier. But even if you do that with adults, yeah. eventually the more people you get involved in yeah. a conspiracy... The harder it is to keep the facts it's straight. It's going to be extremely yeah. difficult to yeah. keep the facts straight. So the large crowd of eyewitnesses is a huge... Uh, Tremendously huge. Huge huge point in, in proving the resurrection of Christ. Absolutely. Um, let me give you another one here. Mm-hmm. And it would be back in Matthew 28. We already, we already read the passage. But yes. the first folks to see the empty tomb, the yes. angels proclaimed to, were women. Yes. Now, Tell us about that, Pastor, how important that is. We, we live in a day where women are still fighting for their rights, mm-hmm. right? And yes. we, we live in a day where the feminist movement is in full force and full mm-hmm. swing. 
Uh, but women's suffrage, and, and it was, what, less than 100 years ago or around 100 years oh, yeah. ago, they got their right to vote sure. uh, in our country. Um, it's recent if history. You, if you rewind the clock 2,000 years and you go back to this culture, women weren't even allowed to give their testimony in court. And so if you were going to come up with an elaborate hoax that you were looking to validate, you wouldn't have women be the ones that find the empty tomb first. Not in that culture. You would get, no, you would get the most credible <laughs> yes. men to be the ones to find the empty tomb That's first. That's right. And so God went out of his way, you know, just like he did with his birth. He was not born in a palace. He was born in a manger. Amen. It wasn't proclaimed to kings and politicians and religious elite. It was proclaimed to shepherds. Yes, sir. And so he has a way of just sort of turning things on its head. And he had this proclaimed to women. Yes. And I don't say that in de de degrading terms. No, no, of course uh, not. If anything, this shows the value God places Amen. on women. Amen. He, he had his resurrection first uh, discovered by those who had the weakest voice. That's it. And they were the ones that went and told the cowarding, cowardice <laughs> disciples who were hiding uh, out of fear for their own life. Yes. That's a tremendous point. That's a tremendous point in the fact that if I were to develop a hoax, a lie, a conspiracy, I'm, trying, I'm not going to use, because if I lived in that culture, like you mentioned, if I lived in that culture, I would not use women to be the first that see the empty tomb because many, the majority of society is going to dismiss mm -hmm. my story, my conspiracy, my hoax uh, immediately. Yeah. They're going to say, get out of here, women. We don't trust women. We can't listen to women. We won't listen to women. Uh, it, that's just not the way it, things worked. And so why would they use the women as being the, the primary, the first eyewitnesses of the empty tomb? Uh, I got a, a, a quote here, Pastor, if you don't mind me Go sharing. Ahead. Uh, Dr. William Lane Craig explains this whole first century uh, and the view of women. He says, and I quote, When you understand the role of women in first century Jewish society, what's really ex extraordinary is that this empty tomb story should feature women as the discoverers of the empty tomb in the first place. Women were on a very low rung of the social ladder in first century Israel. There are old, there are old rabbinical sayings that said, and I quote, let the words of law be burned rather than delivered to women. This is rabbinical law now. This is how they viewed women back then. Uh, there's another one that says, Blessed is he whose children are male, but woe to him whose children are female. Oh my. I'd be in a whole lot of trouble back then. Because oh, yeah. I had four girls, right? But that uh, was the attitude. That was the attitude. That was the that culture. That was the culture, exactly. And so, yeah, th this is a tremendous point in, in the fact that women were the ones to originally say, hey, he is risen. He's not there. Come. Let, let me show you. And the men were, would have been like, where the Lord lay. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, we've got, about, we've got about 10 minutes left okay. here. And so I want to get one or two yes, more in rapid fire style. And okay. then we're going to make an application here uh, to everyone. Um, another point uh, that I've heard made strongly is that the spiritual awakening that yes. followed did not happen in some distant town. It Amen. happened in Jerusalem, yes. right next to where Jesus was both crucified and buried. That's right. And so if this was a hoax, the town where it happened would have known mm -hmm. it was a hoax. Instead, you see 3,000 saved and baptized, Amen. and then 5,000 saved Amen. and baptized, and Amen. then the church grew so large so quickly, some biblical historians believe, 
the church was in excess of 100,000 people. Incredible. You talk about a mega church. Yeah. Uh, you, you talk about, you know, people actually believing this, people actually uh, uh, buying it hook, line, and sinker because the, the veracity of it is, is real. It's true. And, and people were that close to it, they would have been able to tell if it was false, if it was a hoax, if it was a conspiracy. And yet Jerusalem, you know, they filled Jerusalem with, with the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ and people were getting saved left and right. Uh, it was a tremendous, tremendous this revival. The, this is the town that praised him and then a week later crucified him. Yes, yes. Uh, they accepted him and then turned around and rejected him. Yes. And then turned around again and embraced him wholeheartedly. Incredible. That's a um, tremendous, tremendous point, Pastor. I like that one a lot. And, and you know, to that point as well, the, the life change that happened in the disciples themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Down to even his brothers. Yes. His brothers <clears throat> rejected him, denied yes. that he was yes. who he claimed to be. That's right. And then James, his half brother, would become the pastor of the church yes. in Jerusalem Absolutely. after it was persecuted, and would give us our book of James. That's right. Right. Incredible. Um, Incredible. The fact that Peter uh, and the other apostles were hiding, uh, he was denying. Uh, they were fearful for their lives to the point where they thought. Hey, we're, we're out of here. We're, this is over. It's, it's done. Uh, he's dead. They were hiding. They thought that they were going to be next. And yet, when they find out that he is not dead, when they find out that he has risen from the grave, then all of a sudden, they become bold witnesses. They're out in the streets preaching. They're, they're preaching when they're told by the authorities not to preach. Uh, they were beaten, and they, they considered it an honor to be beaten. Uh, in, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So much so that these people believed in the resurrection so much that they were willing to be martyred. Yeah, look at the turnaround. When Jesus is arrested, they run and hide. Yes. And they stay in hiding yes. until they see him resurrected. Yes. And then after they see him resurrected, the courage and boldness in them. It's All incredible. of them except for John would die a martyr's death. Yes. Some of them were pulled uh, apart behind horses. Others were beheaded. Some were crucified upside down. Uh, uh, just the, 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 the extremities they went to, through to try to curb the enthusiasm of these men. And the only way to get them to stop was to kill them. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. I, I pray that I have that kind of faith, that kind of conviction, that if I were to be, my life were to be threatened, that I would stand for the Lord. I believe that I would. But that's hard. Yeah, that's extremely difficult. It's it's hard to believe that these men hid the body and 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 perpetrated a lie, and then all of them turned around and died in extreme death. Yeah. Um, if yeah. it was a lie, at some point you can squeeze on someone hard enough to that's get right. them to admit it. That's right. These men were extreme about it. That's right. That's well, right. we could make another three, four, five, six points, but ultimately, and this is where we want to bring it to. Uh, in the last five minutes, we want to uh, bring a challenge to those who have not yet believed and then a challenge to those who have believed. Let me say to those who have not yet believed, uh, Christianity is not just blind faith. Amen. It's not just believing in the quote-unquote Easter bunny or Santa Claus or the tooth fairy. Jesus does not fit that list. Uh, the, there is a mountain of evidence that we've covered today that supports that Jesus did indeed raise from the dead. And if he did, you can ask all sorts of questions about 
um, people on the other side of the globe and have they heard and is God just and how he handles them, at the end of the day, you must look in the mirror and ask yourself, do I believe that Jesus rose from the dead or not? And if he did, what does that change for you? If he rose from the grave, that means that he's alive. That means he died for you. He rose for you, and he's waiting for you to personally accept him. There's one thing that sends a person to hell, and it's unbelief. It's choosing not to believe in Jesus. And it just comes down to faith. Not blind faith. Not blind faith. Because we have a mountain of evidence that supports. But as I mentioned earlier, we don't have forensic evidence. We're not able to pull the 500 in and interview them. We're not able to attach anyone to a polygraph. Uh, we, at some level, have to put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ to believe him. Pastor Morales, take a moment, if you would. Uh, we've got about five minutes left. Mm-hmm. And share with those who are saved, mm-hmm. especially in this era of the coronavirus and all of the fear that's perpetrated, what the resurrection of Jesus Christ means to the saved and how that can help us uh, today. Right. Well, I'm glad that you gave me the opportunity to do that, Pastor. I have a, an illustration that I have used many times over. You may have used it at some point as well. I think it's very appropriate for this time and for this topic, and it's very encouraging for those that are saved. And so several years ago, an experiment uh, on endurance was conducted at the University of California at Berkeley involve, involving Norwegian field rats, and I'm sure you're familiar with this illustration. Uh, the rats were placed in a tub of water, where they were forced to swim until they were exhausted and unfortunately finally drowned. Um, now, again, I'm not for, you know, testing on animals and all that sort of thing, but nonetheless, for the sake of illustration purposes, stay with me, if you will. Uh, during the first experiment, the researchers discovered that, on the average, the rats were capable of swimming for over seven hours before drowning. So seven hours before they actually drowned. Then a second experiment was conducted exactly like the first, but with one exception. When the rats got too exhausted to swim any longer, the researchers would remove them from the tub of water for a few seconds and then put them back into the water to continue swimming. These rats were able to swim, the second set of rats, the second test, uh, the second experiment, they were able to swim for almost 20 hours before they drowned. And so the researchers concluded that the rats in the second group were able to swim much longer uh, longer, more than twice as long uh, than the first group because they had, they had hope. They had been rescued once before, and they had a hope of being rescued yet again. So they fought harder. Uh, they, they tried more. Uh, they put more effort. They, they didn't quit as easily. And so they had experienced a rescue, and what kept them going was the hope that they would be rescued yet again. And listen, for those of us that are Christians, for those of us that are saved, for those of us who believe in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have been rescued. We have been forgiven. Uh, We we have had our sins exonerated, uh, cleansed, and, and, and just covered in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we live with that hope within us. We live with that hope of uh, he's coming back. He's preparing a place in heaven for us. And we live with that hope within us. Again, uh, we talked about it earlier. Uh, The Apostle Paul says if we live in this world and this is all the hope we have, right, it's just this, then we're all all men most miserable. I don't know about you, but if this is all there is, I'm I'm not too excited about this. If the coronavirus and and the death and disease and the sickness and the sin and the problems and uh, all that happens in this world, if this is it, we have no hope. 
That's right. We have no hope. But because we know that the resurrection is true and the Lord Jesus Christ is real and he actually exists, he actually did come to earth, he actually did die, he was buried, he did rise again from the grave. Now, all of that is true. Everything else in this book is also true. That's right. Amen? John, John tells us that if we believe in him, that faith we mentioned earlier, uh, that he receives us and he adopts us into his Amen. family. Amen. And, and think about how loving our Heavenly Father is. If he's powerful enough to raise up from the dead all by himself, and he's personal enough to care for us, and you put that power and that uh, uh, personalness into the same cup and mix it together, what do we have to be afraid of? We have nothing to fear. The same power that raised the Lord from the dead is the same power that lives in us. Amen. And so, again... Does that mean that we don't ever fear? Yes, we, of course we have fears. We're human. You know, we're going to have things that we're afraid of. But it, ultimately, when I lay my pillow on my head at night, I say, Lord, it's in your hands. Lord, whatever happens, you know best. You'll do best. I'm your son. Trina's your daughter. Uh, everyone that I know that I love and care for, for the most part, most of them are saved. They're your children. You're going to care for us. That's that refuge. That's right. And, and right. to those who are skeptical and are not sure if they want to take the faith plunge, I would just challenge you, take the faith plunge, because Amen. there is so much uh, uh, in the way of benefits spiritually that you get when you do that. Amen. Amen. Well, it's been great conversing with this. you on this. Thank you, Pastor. I'll go sanitize afterwards to those <laughs> that are concerned about us spreading disease with each other. Uh, uh, but uh, we're glad that you have joined in with us. and. We will get our Easter service started promptly at 1045. We've got a lot of turning the room around to do in 15 minutes. So we'll do that quickly, and we, we, we'll see you back in 15 minutes. God bless you.